Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Monstrous Agonies presents Teeny Tiny Tentacles The young stallion of a fella Make sure to take time for yourself as well as helping others that's all for our advice segment. Next up, regular listeners will be well acquainted with our history series, where we delve into the past and ask what life was like for our liminal forebears. But what does it mean to investigate the history of the creature community? One of the first questions that arises when studying liminal history is that of language. Nowadays, it's common parlance to speak of the creature community. But as our older listeners will be very aware, this is a relatively new development in the way we speak about ourselves. Liminal historian Dr. Julia Agricola had this to say on the subject. So one of the biggest dangers for people studying the past is always projecting modern ideas backwards onto an existing historical context. At best, it's inappropriate and anachronistic, and at worst, you end up trying to fit the facts into a narrative which you've already created, instead of trying to understand the past in its own right. The phrase the creature community, uh, using that to talk about people in the past, is one of the ways that modern sensibilities can creep into history um, and doing historical analysis. It's a very new concept, this idea that being a creature means that you share some kind of experience or worldview or perspective with other creatures across genuses. 
For the most part, people in the past just didn't think about it that way. It isn't until the 1950s, which is very recent, that we see this kind of cross-genus consciousness begin to emerge, at least in Britain. Uh, the timeline differs across other countries, obviously, but this idea that there is a singular creature community with things in common is a very recent turn across the board. I mean, if you were to suggest to a hematophage in the Parthian Empire, for example, that they had a worldview in common with the lycanthropes in the Roman Empire next door, I think they'd probably do something very terrible to you. <laughs> One of the pressing concerns for all would-be historians is the question of evidence. The further back one wishes to study, the harder it becomes to find primary sources on one's chosen subject. Compare, for example, the historian who studies creatures in cinema in the 1950s to one who studies creatures in the Roman Empire. The former has access to a glut of sources, from the films themselves to public documents like contemporary reviews and newspaper articles. Meanwhile, the historian of Roman creatures must make do with a handful of ancient sources, often surviving only in fragments. But here, certain members of the creature community can offer something uniquely valuable to the historical investigation. Eyewitness accounts. Funnily enough, I actually am a Roman historian in every sense of that term. I was born in Napoli in 156 AD and I started my career in that second century AD with a biography of the most famous undead people of our age. Um, advanced longevity genuses are a real boon to historians. It makes all the difference in the world when you can really get a first-hand account of an event uh, or a person or a place during a particular time. Even if you're not able to find a specific individual that you can speak to, a lot of the long-lived genuses have a culture of uh, oral transmission or preserving their past through writing, or even just holding on to objects uh, for personal reasons which might have otherwise been lost forever. It doesn't solve all your problems, though, as uh, as I say, I grew up in the Roman Empire. Uh, I can tell you the games I played in Napoli as a child and the clothes that I wore and about my specific community. But there are other things which across the millennia I have completely forgotten or was never aware with to begin with. I could not tell you about the emperor's life, for example. Because of this, as a general rule, I'm very wary of testimonies from people claiming that they were present at major historical events. They are usually the ones that people remember that they like to read about, um, and they are often the ones who have an incredible level of detail that nobody can confirm or are contradicted by the other 150 people that are also claiming they were there when Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon. But if someone tells me, oh yes, I was working at a an undersecretary and office of the Yokai Confederacy back in the 750s. I can't remember who my manager was, but I can tell you exactly what kind of ink I used. Uh, then that seems more likely to me, because why would you make that up? Between gaps in the historical record, a lack of evidence, and the difficulties of perspective already discussed tonight, one might be tempted to ask, what's the point? Why is it important? to study liminal history. 
I personally hate that kind of thinking where people think we should just do history because, oh, if we if we study the past, we'll know how to behave in the modern world or that the past exists simply to teach us something about our own experiences. It's not about that. It's about knowing people. What were they like? What were they? Uh, how are they like us? How are they different? Uh, and it's never really as different as you might think. In the liminal context, it's less of a question of why do liminal history and more a matter of accepting that doing history is doing liminal history. We've always been there. We've always been part of the world. There's never a period where there are not uh, liminal histories to be told. One of my favourite artefacts is, uh, actually you can see it in the British Museum as an exhibition at the moment, it's this, uh, it's this pottery cow. Uh, they found it, I think, in an Iron Age settlement in Kent. Uh, it has this handle and four legs and a little stomach full of beads that jingle when you shake it. It's not very exciting looking, but that handle really stumped archaeologists when they uncovered it. It wasn't until one of the team, a woman from an aquatic genus, looked at it and said, my little boy could have fun with this, that they realised what it was. It's a baby's rattle, but not one for a sapio baby. It's made for someone with teeny tiny little baby tentacles. Once they could see that, they could then see that although a large amount of the artefacts from the settlement were sapio, that there were other artefacts which demonstrated that there were these aquatic or semi-aquatic peoples living there as well, that there are objects and buildings that were designed for use by completely different types of bodies. Um, we don't know exactly who these people were, what genus they were, but we know that they were a part of the fabric of this Iron Age settlement and that they were living alongside sapios. And we know that someone 3,000 odd years ago made a rattle for a baby shaped like a cow, maybe their favourite animal, um, and made sure that they could hold it properly with their teeny tiny little baby tentacles. And I think you need a pretty good reason for why that's not worth knowing. Thanks again to Dr. Julia Agricola for her time and insight. Her latest book, Paradoxes of Hierarchy and Authority Among the Centaur Communities of Laconia, is available now from all good bookstores. Time now for the news. People in distress. The silent thing. Teeny Tiny Tentacles was written by H.R. Owen and performed by H.R. Owen and Dr. Emma Southern. Emma Southern really is a Roman historian. She co-presents the podcast History is Sexy, answering history questions from listeners. You can find out more at www.historyissexy.com. Big hello and thank you to our latest supporters on Patreon, Michael, V, and Not Disquieting At All. You can join them at patreon.com slash monstrousagonies. For more monstrous content, follow us on Tumblr at monstrousagonies and on Twitter at monstrous underscore pod. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme tune is Dakota by Unheard Music Concepts. Thanks for listening and remember, the real monsters are the friends we made on the way. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.